Today, as I said at the beginning of Mass, we hit the midpoint of Lent, right? We hit, we, we're on, we are now on the back nine, if you will, of the Lenten season. Um, to this point, it's been, a, uh, it's been a blessing. There's been a lot of good that's been going on this Lent, and we pray that it continues. We pray that we continue to grow in the various ways that God might be working in your life. I'll be honest, um, I've been reflecting a little bit on this in the last couple of days, and you know what? I've come to the realization that I am a lot better at beginning something than I am at continuing something. Let me say that again. I am a lot better at beginning than I am at continuing. And I got a feeling that I'm not the only one. Let me explain this a little bit. Um, I, I have tried multiple times in my life to do novenas. I have tried multiple times in my life to do different consecrations, whether it be the 33 days to, to consecrate yourself to, Mary through, uh, to Jesus through Mary, or the consecration to Joseph, or any of the many consecrations that we have in our church. Um, these, any of these kind of disciplines where it takes you to pray every day a certain prayer, uh, I have come to the realization that I am a lot better at beginning those kind of things than I am at continuing those kind of things. Why? Because if I say I want to pray a rosary novena, what happens? I, I'm all about it on day one. And then day three comes and I forget. If I, if I want to pray the consecration to Joseph, this is legitimately what's going on right now. Um, I remember I got through day three and it was really great. And I missed day four and I missed day five. So the next day I was like, I'm going to do four and five, then I'm going to do six and seven, then I'm going to do eight and nine. I'm going to catch up at some point. And now I'm about a week and a half behind and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. There's all these different ways that I've seen myself be better at beginning than I am at continuing. The one moment in my life that, that it, it showed itself more than any other, um, it was when I was in seminary. So I was able, as, during my time in seminary, to do a 30-day silent retreat. Now let's pause for a second. Yes, I did a 30-day silent retreat. Oohs and ahs and gasp and shock just have gone through the room, right? I, 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 I was quiet for 30 days. Well, mostly quiet. Well, I, I attempted to be quiet for 30 days, and it went, it went well. It was a beautiful retreat. It was a great experience. But I remember the first day, I was all about it. Because I've done silent retreats before, and I like silent retreats. But then I realized that like, I like silent retreats for day one and day two. And then day four and five, usually I'm just begging to get out, and day six or seven I can leave, right? Like, it, usually it, it's not that long. Well, day one and day two, I was all about it. I was in and excited, and I was beginning, and there was a lot of, like, there was, there was a lot of energy behind it and a lot of excitement behind it. It was, the adrenaline was kind of carrying me through. And then day five hit, and I was looking around, and I'm like, it, it really is going to be quiet for a month, huh? This is going to be rough. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it. Like, all of a sudden, it just it, it got really stale really quickly, and it's because I'm better at beginning than I am at continuing. One of the things that I would do, uh, it, the retreat I did was in Omaha on the, uh, on the campus of Creighton University. And if you've ever been to Omaha, uh, Creighton is up on a hill. And up on this hill, there's a spot. They got one little bench that kind of looks over the downtown Omaha area towards the river. And where I was sitting, I could see three things. 
Um, where I would go and sit after dinner every night, I'd go to pray a rosary because I was bored and it was quiet. So what do you do? You pray a rosary. So I would go sit after dinner every week, every night, and I would go pray a rosary on this bench. And I could see immediately across the street was a parking garage. A little bit further, I could see the baseball field where the College World Series was played. And then across the river, I could kind of make it out, but you could see airplanes taking off and landing at the airport. So I would go sit there every night, and there were some friends of mine that were also at Creighton for another program, and I would go sit, and I would sit on this bench, and I would look at the parking garage, and I would see two of my buddies walk into the car. And I'm sitting there thinking, I bet they're going to the bar. I'd like to go to the bar. Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> I'd really like to go. The Lord is with you. Right? That was the first one. So, I'm, I'm facing that. A little bit further, see the baseball field. I would just sit there and think, why did Maneri take that pitcher out? Why didn't LSU make it to the national championship game this year? Our Father, who art in heaven. Struggling, struggling to stay plugged in. A little bit further than that, I look, and I'm seeing airplanes taking off and landing. And I know i got 25 days of silence left, and I'm just sitting there thinking, when is my flight to go home? Glory be to the Father and to the Son. And I remember sitting there, like, it, it was the hardest thing in the world to stay plugged in because I'm a lot better at beginning than I am at continuing. And the reason why is I had an excitement about beginning, but I didn't have the resolve necessarily to continue. And the temptations were just staring me in the face. So what did I do? I, I stopped going to sit on a bench for the rest of the summer. I think for us, as we, be, as we are continuing in this Lenten season, it's a really important thing for us to pay attention to. Because as we go through Lent, one of the things that Lent is used as, one of the images that's used for Lent oftentimes, is that Lent is a desert. And the desert might seem like, oh, it's a, it's a place of suffering or trial. But in reality, what the desert is in Scripture is a place of encounter. It's a place of meeting God, of knowing Him and seeing only Him, where everything else is stripped away and it's just me and the Lord. All the other concerns are stripped away. Friendships, sports, family. All of those things are stripped away in the desert. And it's a, it's a place of encountering the Lord and the Lord alone. This happens in the Old Testament. And then the image, the image is used in the Old Testament that, that kind of mirrors Lent is that we go 40 days in Lent and the Israelites or the Hebrew people, they went 40 years in the desert. And what was it? It was a place where God was bringing them into better relationship with Him. Now, there's a couple of moments that were very key. We see that the Israelites are just like me. They, they are better at beginning than they are at continuing. How so? Well, we, hear, we, we pick up the story in Exodus that they're enslaved in Egypt. And we know the story. We've seen the movies, right? We've had Tommy Pickles and Charlton Heston both teach us how it is that Moses led his people out of Egypt. 
that there were plagues and they went through the Red Sea and Pharaoh tried to chase them and then he drowned. But they were all excited to be out and free until a chapter later and they were hungry. They were all excited to begin. They were all excited to be free and have a promised land that they were going to and all those things until they got a chapter later and their resolve started to waver. And then they started to look back at what they had. Well, I'd rather be in slavery than here. Now later on, it, it, it happens again. They get the Hebrew people, they get to Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God says, I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. I'm going to give you the rules, the way in which I'm asking you to love me. That's all I'm giving you. And they were excited. And Moses went up the mountain. And when Moses goes up the mountain, he's up there seeing God face to face, receiving the tablets. And while that's happening, down the mountain... That excitement, that energy to begin, started to waver. And they started to turn to other gods. They made a cow out of gold. And they lost their resolve to continue. Today in our Gospel, Jesus hints at another moment for the Hebrew people. You see, not only whenever they were walking through, they were saying they were hungry, that God was, and God started to feed them. What he would do is, is he would send bread at night, and they would go and collect it. It was called the manna. It was this sacred, it was this, this miraculous bread from heaven that was given to the Israelite people, that was given to the Hebrews, and they would go out and collect it. And they had food even though they were in a desert alone. But again, They were excited the day that they got the food the first time, and the second, and on and on. But sooner or later, they got tired of eating the same thing. And they started to complain. Because they had the excitement to begin, but they didn't have the resolve to continue. And as a way of punishment, as a way of testing God, the way they were cursing God and turning away from God, there were, there were, they called them seraph serpents. They were snakes that, would, that went into these people and started to bite them. And as people were getting bitten, they were dying. And Moses said, I need, we need something. We need something that is going to heal these people, God. And God said, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And anybody who looks upon it will be healed. If you're ever wondering in, in, medical, in the medical field why there's a, sometimes a stick with a snake around it, that's why. It comes from the book of Numbers. It's a, it's a symbol of healing. What, what happens over and over in the Old Testament is that there's, a resolve, there's an excitement to begin, but there's not necessarily a resolve to continue. And I don't know where you are this Lent. I don't know where you have been this Lent. And quite honestly, Lent this year feels like it's been about 12 months long. But there's an excitement to begin, oftentimes. But there might not necessarily be a resolve to see it through. A resolve to continue. Like, I, I, for Lent, I, you know what, Father? I wanted to pray more this Lent. Great, how's that going? 
How, how has it been? I wanted to be in communion with God more. Okay? I wanted to read more. That was one of mine. Boop, I haven't read a book. But it can be a lot of times we have an excitement to begin the Lenten journey, but it's hard because it's long and I'm tired and prayer's been dry or I'm distracted by other things or I'm out, downright discouraged about it, whatever's going on in my life or in the world. You see, today is about looking back to where we have been at the excitement to begin, to remember that. And today is also about looking forward to where we're going. Because we're right at the midpoint of Lent. Our Gospel today. The most important line probably in all of Scripture. The, the one line of Scripture that if, we ha- if I had to pick one that gets the, the totality of what the Scriptures say, that, that speak the truth about the Christian faith probably to the deepest point that it possibly can. And if you don't know what it is, you've probably seen it on a sign at a football game on Bourbon Street. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. How bold of a promise is that coming from Christ today? How bold of a promise is that coming from God? That's something that can motivate us to begin. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him might have eternal life. Everyone who believes in Him. That's you. You wouldn't be here today if that wasn't you. God, the one who created the world, the one who brought the, Egypt, who brought the Israelites out from slavery in Egypt, the one who sent Jesus Christ, the one who has worked miracle after miracle over and over in the course of human history, God, that God, loves you enough to send His Son so that we would not perish. It's just on the heels of Jesus talking about this serpent that was put up on a, on a stick that brought healing. That what was the, pe- the people of the, the Israelite people, what was a place of death, and what was an, a symbol of death, what was a symbol of, of, of struggle, what was a symbol of hurt, what was a symbol of pain, that it was lifted up in the desert to bring healing. If our beginning is John 3.16, if our beginning is the faith that Jesus talks about today, where is God pointing us to but it's Good Friday? That the same symbol of death and struggle and hurt and pain is lifted up again. That it's not a snake that brings healing, but it's the Son of God. That it's not going to be just a symbol of an earthly death, but it's going to be a symbol of, of death being overcome by God Himself. 
This is where we're going. If that's the promise that God has for us, if that's the, God, the promise that God has for you as a believer, then we should dive into communing and being with and in relationship with that God. How often do we say we want to pray more? How often in your life have you said something along the lines of, man, I, I want to I, I get more out of Mass. I want to pray more. I want to take my faith more seriously. There are a couple of things that stand in the way a lot of times for us praying more. Typically speaking, or, 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 or relating to God more. Typically speaking, uh, one of them is dryness. That, that we're going to, we, when, when I, I say I want to pray more, I'm going to go and plug myself in. I'm going to go and sit down in a chapel and there's a dryness because I, I may not know what to do. I may not know how it is to pray. How, how do I hear God? Is it like a little voice? I've seen a movie where like a light opens and, and I hear a voice from heaven. St. Paul was like knocked off of a horse. Do I need a horse? Right? The way in which God speaks to us, He gives it very, very clearly. In Scripture. This week, you want to pray more? You want to be in relationship with God more? You want to try and overcome dryness? Just look at the readings for the week. If you're looking for a book in the Bible, if you don't have the readings for the week readily available, go straight to the Psalms. The Psalms, there's a Psalm, there's 150 Psalms, and there's something for everybody in the Psalms. A second one that oftentimes stands in the way of us being able to pray more, being in communion with God more, being more able to relate to God, a second thing that often stands in the way is distraction. Father, you don't understand. I, I just got so much other stuff going on. Let God into it. You got crazy kids? Great. Let God into it. Your family life isn't, isn't exactly perfect? Great. Let God into it. What can happen a lot of times is God wants to pray, God wants to be in and in, involved in our life, and sometimes we think it's our problem and not his. The other thing is, is distraction. Sometimes we can bring it on ourselves. I remember I, got, uh, I went down the black hole of, of Candy Crush years ago in the seminary. Um, I remember sitting down trying to quiet myself in prayer, and all I could see were them stupid little shapes. And I was trying to think about how I could... That's because I plugged way too much into that. God might be telling you in, you in the distraction, does this really matter? Or is it something that you need to let go of? Delete the app. The final one that oftentimes can get in the way is discouragement. We can be discouraged, whether it be with our relationship with God, with where we currently are, with the world around us. There's discouragement a lot of times can make us turn in on ourselves and away from the Lord. And that's not what He wants. This week, uh, yesterday, was the one-year anniversary of a whole lot of discouragement. Because yesterday was the one-year anniversary of school shutting down. And if you're a parent, you know what it is to have two full-time jobs now. To be a teacher and what you normally do. In two days, it's going to be 
the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of us not having public masses. And I haven't seen a face since then during my homily. But I've learned how to read eyes a whole lot better. We can be discouraged that the world isn't opening as fast as we want. We can be discouraged at the last year of the loss of life, of the loss of a job, of just loss. But those things aren't meant to turn us away from God. God wants to be right in the middle of it. And if we believe that what Jesus says today in the Gospel is true, that whenever Moses showed this serpent to the people that healing was available, he's also saying that when you look at me on the cross, when you keep your eyes focused on me, when you allow yourself to gaze upon me, healing and peace is available. That's where we find the resolve to continue. Today, we are at a, we're at the midpoint of Lent. We're right in the middle. We can look back at where we've been, but there's no turning around. God is making the same promise that Jesus made to Nicodemus years ago to you today. That I'm sending my son for your sake, for your salvation, for your peace, for your wholeness. Let us have a resolve to continue. Let us have a resolve to continue this Lenten season all the way to being able to gaze upon the one who dies for our sake. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a lot better at beginning than I am at continuing. But God wants us not just to begin but he wants us to continue and see this Lenten season all the way to fruition.